From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of LPL Market Signals. Jeff Bookbinder here, your host this week after a week off. Uh, thanks to Mark and uh, Adam for filling in for me. Pleased to be joined by Quincy Crosby on location, somewhere on the <laughs> West Coast. Quincy, where are you this week? I am up in the area out just outside of Seattle, Washington. Very nice. I bet they didn't get as much rain as we got in Boston over the last month. Yeah, actually, that's probably true. Yeah. We have been hammered with rain. I mean, I'm yeah. Really what happened in the city. You saw that Boston got less than that, but it has been really wet. So uh, glad we're getting a nice dry day today. Um, so uh, we are recording this Monday, October 2nd, 2023. Uh, here is our agenda for today. Um, it's certainly we're going to hit the government shutdown news over the weekend. That's probably the biggest news of the day, other than the rise in yields. That is not new news, but we are up another uh, 10 basis points on the 10-year yield today, up 467 at last check. So we'll recap the market activity from last week. Um, maybe with a comment on uh, September. Then we'll talk about prospects for a Q4 rally. Of course, it's October. So uh, that starts off the historically strong fourth quarter, seasonally anyway. It doesn't happen every year, but it happens most of the time. Uh, so we'll assess prospects for that. Next, we will, um, you know, I didn't set out to make the case that the Fed is done. I just, I just think it's important for people to look at some of the data points out there. Uh, before you know, you make your own decision. Uh, frankly, we're we're certainly leaning in that uh, direction. Uh, there are points on both sides, no doubt. Uh, but we are going to make the case, for the most part, that that the Fed has done its last hike of the cycle. And then when we preview the week, of course, we'll talk about the jobs report. Uh, and we also got the ISM uh, manufacturing index today, which is uh, quite interesting. So um, let's start with the market recap in and September, of course, was down, you know, almost 5%. So a tough month, um, I guess you could say the the week <laughs> down seven tenths of a percent wasn't uh, certainly as bad, but, um, you know, still a down week. And, and really, it was around two issues. I would say, uh, you know, number one, we had the fears of the government shutdown, which the market thought was pretty much unavoidable. But of course, uh, Saturday, McCarthy did an about face and we we actually got a temporary reprieve, you know, pushing that uh, 45 days out. So it's not a solution to the to the um, risk of a shutdown. It is just pushing it out. It's kicking the can down the road, so to speak. Uh, and we might be in the same position uh, on November 17th. So um, that was one issue. And then of course, rising interest rates and you see uh, you'll see on the next slide here that bonds were were weak uh, as uh, as rates rose, and that caused jitters for equity investors. Um, in terms of the uh, sectors, I mean, wow, utilities just got crushed. I mean, obviously rate sensitive. That tells you that the market might be more worried about just an inflationary move higher in rates or a treasury supply demand driven increase in rates rather than a recession, right? Th this is more about growth. And so um, defensive sectors are not really getting a bid, right? We had, um, I mean, healthcare did okay last 
I mean, last week down 1%, not terrible, but real estate down 1.4%. I mentioned um, utilities down uh, almost 7% and staples down too. So the, the sector dynamics here are not really pointing to, um, you know, recession or even a pronounced slowdown, at least not based on uh, what we saw last week. So um, last thing I'll say, and then I'll hand it over to you, Quincy, the, the uh, international markets were down, the dollar was up over a half a percent. So any observations from you, Quincy, on, uh, on the equity side for last week or, or for the month? Well, yeah, I, I mean, I think from the macro sense, uh, the market's trying to figure out whether or not the higher rates due to um, more growth that the market sees more economic growth. I mean, after all, the uh, Atlanta Fed now, as of today, for the third quarter, is seeing 4.9% uh, real for the third quarter. But, uh, you know, or, or does it see the rates rising? Uh, and no growth, because that's the stagflationary side of, of the equation. One thing about the yields, though, I would add is that I think with the um, crisis averted scenario, I think you saw selling in the treasuries, uh, pushing the yields uh, higher, because obviously quite a bit of money came in from overseas, from the US, uh, you know, in anticipation of a shutdown, which had, you know, the, ra the ramifications of which you, you would not know uh, it, it, with the initial with the initial closure. So with the crisis averted, I think that you, what you saw is uh, hitting that 4.7 and then at least coming down to 4.6. And, and one thing about the uh, market right now, it's interesting because um, guess who's leading the market higher? Despite the fact that you're, when, when they're down, all of a sudden, what's resurrected is the um, characterization of big tech as um, long duration. And then when they're back up, despite the fact that yields are higher, we suddenly drop the long duration rationale for why they're going down. So they've been doing all right. I mean, that's, that's the interesting part of this scenario. But you have oil prices, which have climbed higher. They've eased just a little bit. But uh, nonetheless, transports are down today, which I think is an important scenario, given the, uh, given the oil prices and concerns over the economy. So, you know, regarding the Fed, whether or not it's finished or not, I don't think they know whether they're finished. I don't think they do know. I think they are, you know, trying to ascertain whether or not it would be safe to finish and whether or not there's be a surge of more inflation and whether stagflation can um, set in. That's, I think, their major concern. You're getting a little, little ahead of our agenda there, Quincy. You just couldn't wait. You wanted to You asked me today. that question. You wanted to add, you want to talk and about- I'm, I'm, out, I'm out in Seattle. I can say what I want. If the individual rules out here. We, we, you're on. Remember that. What you have to say. We just haven't gotten to our Fed story yet. Um, oh, okay. But certainly okay, it's sorry. tied in, it's tied into rates. So here's the fixed income and commodities uh, performance. And, uh, you know, you see just negatives across the board, right? With the one week returns uh, for, for bonds all down. And, uh, you know, that was the, the move higher in rates. So I don't really think there's too much more interesting to say about that. Other than the fact that you really aren't seeing much uh, widening in credit spreads. 
No. More on that, no. but that's a good sign too. Um, yeah, very good sign. Yeah. Right. The bond market is is saying growth's fine, economy's fine, um, maybe a little too strong, <laughs> but uh, it, it's not. Um, you know, there's not a negative growth signal coming out of the bond market, certainly. Um, then, uh, you know, turning to commodities, uh, the precious metals have been uh, struggling with the strong dollar and the rise in real interest rates. So inflation-adjusted interest rates. Uh, and uh, we we think that choppiness may may continue. So precious metals is not an area we're, we're, we're um, as interested in now. Uh, in fact, we downgraded precious metals on our, our monthly... Um, asset allocation outlook last month to uh, to a neutral. And we think the industrial metals look better and we think energy looks better. So um, that's that. Uh, well, China's been holding up. Holding up. We, can, we can touch on China at the end if we have time. So here's the, um, the S&P 500. I, I put in Adam Turnquist's more technical look uh, at, at the S&P because I thought it would be interesting to look at some of these other uh, dynamics, not just, to, you know, where it is relative to its 200 day. The good news here is the S&P is above its 200 day. So it's in an uptrend. And, um, but also interestingly, it's oversold. So that's the RSI uh, 14 that you see in the bottom two panels here. You have a very, um, you, you have um, a high percentage of stocks below 30. That's oversold on the RSI 14. Right. I mean, it, it sounds like a low number. It's 13, but that's historically high. Uh, you see these light blue bars. Um, it hasn't gotten really higher than that since the lows uh, in 2022. Uh, and then you go back down, uh, down one more uh, chart to the RSI 14 for the S&P 500. It's at 34. So pretty close to oversold conditions at, at 30. Not quite that trigger, not a compelling buy signal, but still. Not yet. Right, not yet, but still oversold. <clears throat> We're yeah. down a little bit today on the move higher in rates. So this is, you know, setting up for uh, what what I would call just a period of consolidation, right? And then forty two hundred to forty three hundred is still support, but um, you know there are levels above that where I mean we're pretty much at forty three hundred now, pretty close. There are levels above that that are resistance. So it, it just paints kind of a neutral, choppy, sideways kind of a kind of a picture, uh, which has really been our view for the last uh, few months, frankly. <clears throat> but we'll see if we get that seasonal lift. Let's keep moving and go to uh, the shutdown. So I want I want your thoughts on this, Quincy, because um, you know I'll assume we're going to be in the same position in mid November, right? We kick the can down the road. It's it's hard to see a deal. Uh, you know maybe. Maybe the McCarthy uh, variable changes the formula a little bit in, in mid-November. Not sure. We'll, we'll see whether he's still speaker. Um, but I guess the question is, what's going to change between now and mid-November that could give investors hope that, you know, we won't have to deal with this? Any well, ideas? If, yeah, well, I mean, just from a granular political level, if Trump he changed his mind. He could come in and just basically tell the um, seven. That's the, that's the caucus, um, the groups that, believe it or not, on the fifteenth ballot, they're the ones that brought McCarthy into the leadership. 
into the speakership. But they extracted a number of um, promises from him, which he has not delivered. So if Trump comes in, and that's something that, you know, it's, it's a possibility, uh, that, that they could, Trump could either save him uh, or work with the seven and just say, stop it, because it's going to hurt the party. All, what you saw coming into the, um, into the uh, weekend were reports that even the senators, the Republican senators, got involved with the seven and basically made it clear it's about the party right now. It's about the party. So that could that could be a game change. And the other game change could be that gets actually uh, gets McCarthy out, right? And that's the that's the other possibility. And that perhaps then this does continue. But the expectations overall, by the way, are that between now and then they could actually work on it on a deal, a, a, a more viable deal. Come in with some cuts. Uh, do the Ukraine side deal, uh, but but be more prepared as they as they get towards that uh, November deadline. Yeah, I like that little bit of a uh, dose of, of of optimism. I mean, not that I'm rooting for McCarthy to be ousted, but well, at, least, at least it's a path uh, for uh, a bipartisan deal potentially. Um, yeah, there or, or not, and they. Yeah. I mean, this was bipartisan to kick the can. So maybe you can make an argument that bipartisan, uh, the the 45-day extension uh, is an example of, um, you know, a bipartisan agreement that could maybe uh, lead into some more uh, cooperation uh, down the road. We'll, we'll, we'll have to see. <laughs> but uh, boy, it's, it's um, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one. So we'll keep watching that. I mean, the, maybe the other piece of good news here is that the stock market tends to shrug these off anyway. I mean, yeah. obviously it was down last week and it's it was down in September. Uh, seasonality was part of that. The Fed higher for longer message was part of that. Uh, the shutdown fear was part two, but it, it certainly can't be blamed for all of the recent weakness. So I don't think this thesis is broken. Um, if we do get an actual shutdown, we think the market will look past it and probably um, hold up pretty well. The average these go back to 1976. This is Strategus data. The average S&P 500 performance during a shutdown is flat. And the average one month post shutdown is up about 1.4%. So um, we'll take that if we get it. Uh, certainly, uh, we don't think this is anything to fear uh, if it does happen. So let's move on to prospects for a Q4 rally. And I mean, these, you know, we'll bring in some more optimism if the talk of a government shutdown has you down. Uh, the fourth quarter on average is is up 4% since 1950, uh, over 4% based on the The batting average is about 80%. So four out of five years, the fourth quarter is higher. These are excellent odds, much better than the Q3 seasonality that we just came out of. Um, I don't think the presidential cycle changes these numbers dramatically, but I think the fourth quarter average in a uh, in year three of a presidential cycle is a little bit lower. So um, at any rate, the um, this seasonal tailwind is is powerful. And the question is, you know, are we going to get it this year? You know, another way to see this is to look at the average progression of the S&P by year. This also goes back to uh, 1950. And you see that um, we're at a really good spot 
we're pretty much at the average low um, of the back half, right? So this is by trading days, this chart you're looking at. Um, I, th I think we're around 190. So if you have a, on average, right before the 191st trading day of the year, you tend to bottom <clears throat> and start this nice rally up for Q4. So it doesn't happen at the very start of October. It's like, I think it's like 10 days into October. Right. Yes. Right, where you really take off seasonally. But, um, you know, this is this is certainly good news. So I think the question couldn't see everybody's asking is, is this going to play out again? And so we wrote a, a weekly market commentary this week on this topic. You can find it on LPL.com. And, you know, we make the point that rates is really the key here, right? If rates keep going higher, then it's unlikely we're going to get the stock market higher. The, the correlations of stocks and yields are as high as they're going to get. And um, so we got to get yields down. So that's the key. But outside of that, um, frankly, we think the prospects for this are are, are fairly good um, because you know the economy is holding up fine. Earning season's coming. We think it'll generally be good relative to expectations. Um, and you know valuations have adjusted, right? Yes, yeah, uh, certainly. We're not twenty-two times. We're at eighteen, and you know if rates come down. I should go back to where I started. Rates come down, probably going to get that fourth quarter rally. Uh, maybe those other factors don't matter. What do you think, Quincy? Well, you know, it, it, look, as long as you can get some very nice returns in the um, treasury market, money market funds, the, the market has to do, the market has to work. The market has to work for, for uh, input. It does. It's been so easy for the market with quantitative easing, underpinning the market for so many years now, right? Uh, so now the market has to fight for it. And that may be why see the big uh, megatech, you know, in the green, right? That they're in the green and that the market is down with these higher rates. Uh, the, the market, the, the view from that, if that continues, is, well, those companies outperform. Those companies have rock solid balance sheets. Those companies have the technology that other 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 companies want, investors want, and that and if that continues, that would have to be that would have to be the message from the market. However, the one thing that we were focused on is: Are we going to have a repeat of just the generals leading the market higher and not the rest of the market? Now that, I mean, you know, look at the end of the day, the price action will be the price action, but it's not a healthy market if it's just, if it's that narrow. And at least, uh, Jeff, as you know, we talked about it so often, the market's uh, performance feeding into the end of the first half actually broadened. We saw the Russell 2000 actually, not, not green for one day. I mean, it, 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 actually, it actually gained momentum. And that, I think, was a sign that the uh, Russell 2000 saw the economy on solid footing and basically moved beyond the uh, financial crisis in March and, and started, to, started to broaden the overall uh, market. And that's, and that's something that we applauded. Now we're back to, wait a minute, is it just going to be the big seven leading the market higher? Now, granted, 
it's important. What do they do? They represent nearly 30% of the S&P 500. It, it, it's, it's not outlandish to think that, uh, that, it, that it should be dismissed. No, you're not going to dismiss it. Yeah. So the, I think that's, yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, good point. Yeah, the, the percentage of stocks, I think, over their 200-day uh, moving average is down to like 42. That's a yeah. pretty... But it's somewhere in the forties. Yeah. That below, yeah. the, I think it when we had that breadth, that participation improvement, right? right? More stocks working. We had something in the seventy range. So yes, exactly, exactly. That, yeah, uh, it's, a good, it's a good point. That's a topic maybe we should explore. Um, well, yeah, I, I on, you know the you know, this old saying. I mean, I learned this uh, when I when I you know started off. Um, years ago uh trade and invest in the market you have not the one you want and so if that's what the market offers us you know obviously the market begins to accept it is it healthy do we give it an a plus in terms of health no but nonetheless it's the market's way this is the way it continues of saying look look we don't know what's going to happen at least we know that these guys these companies perform they've got the strong balance sheet because at the same time, as you and I discussed, Jeff, and we're going to discuss it fairly soon, is, is how strong is the economy? Because why are we seeing uh, recession has come back into 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 play? Um, that that's not something we, we were talking about. We were talking about soft landing for so so long. Now now it's recession has come back into favor. Well, based on yields. I mean, the, the yield again. Yields are telling a story of stronger growth. Yeah, right? exactly. Not exactly. recession. So, um, you know, here you see the ten-year yield chart with the these technical lines drawn at four seven and four nine. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, we just broke four five. I mean, frankly, I, I'm surprised we're we're up here, but you could still make the case. And we showed this chart a few years ago, a few uh, weeks ago. If you go back, you know. A hundred years plus. Yes. Pretty normal level, right? It's a it nom the yeah. nominal GDP level, but I think it's a shock to me and many others that we're here because, you know, we were at a half a percent on the ten-year yield. What three years ago? A half. It's a the speed. It's the speed it's at which it's, it's cold turkey. It's a cold turkey move for the Fed and the ten-year. And so this is just, these numbers psychologically are tough to digest. I think, you know, I would argue that the markets digested these yields fairly well, you know, given we're kind of in yeah. that technical range where we thought we would be anyway. And given that tech has still done well, you know, the artificial intelligence enthusiasm is helping and companies yes. are doing just a terrific job. I mean, there are companies, by the way, that benefit from higher rates that have, you know, more cash, more assets than liabilities, right? So the cash on the balance is, yeah. is working for them. So we shouldn't totally just disregard that piece. But, you know, regardless, uh, companies' profitability has really been uh, impressive in the face of, of higher rates. But if they go much higher, I mean, they're obviously going to affect housing-related companies, right? Companies, you know, doing auto loans and things like that. But if that starts to affect just broader consumer spending and broader capital investment. Um, you know, that's when, well, first, <laughs> that's when the Fed says, okay, we've done enough, right? 
but that's also when the market maybe starts to price in a weaker economic environment. So we have some slides uh, coming up here in this next segment that'll you know paint a picture of a little bit of economic weakness here. We're not trying to support a bearish call. We're still neutral equities, but I think it's some of these charts are really um, are really interesting uh, to point out because I think what we have is the market in the bond land at least saying things are fine or things are good. Uh, but then you have some economic data that says, you know what, we're poised to weaken. And, uh, you know, maybe Q4 GDP won't be another 3% number, even if Q3, yeah. Q3 is. So so why might the Fed be done? Um, <laughs> I guess reason number one, they're getting tighter every day. Yeah. I know we've talked about this a number of times here and other channels. The The Fed funds rate, if it stays put while inflation falls, then that's a higher real interest rate, a higher real Fed funds rate. And that higher real rate means tighter, yeah. okay, that gap. So we had the PCE, <laughs> core PCE come down from 4.2% year over year to 3.9% uh, year over year. The month over month was just a touch better than expected. That is good news. It's still coming down more slowly than we want, but is absolutely moving in the right direction. The Fed is clearly talked the market out of all these aggressive rate cuts in 2024. So you put those things together, they're in a pretty tight spot. So that's yeah. that's that's first point. Um I'm a, I'll run through these uh quickly, Quincy, and then I'll I'll let you go comment on any of this. The um the other point, this is from Jeff Roach, the GDP revision from last week was, you know, typically the third revision isn't no uh, newsworthy, but it actually was this time. We had services uh, within the consumer spending drop from 2.2% to 1.0. That is a big drop from a second GDP revision to a third GDP revision. So it's not I'm not trying to be alarmist, but this is a this is a weaker consumer spending environment than maybe we thought. Still, overall GDP was up two uh, in in Q2. That that's fine, and it'll probably be better in Q3 but we're starting off of a lower base. So keep that in mind. Uh, next, you know, credit card delinquencies, 30 days or more have ticked up a little bit. They're still very, very low historically. In fact, they're even low compared to 2019 uh, pre-pandemic. I looked at the 90-day delinquencies, it's the same story. They're ticking up towards pre-pandemic levels, but they're not there yet. Just wanna point out, you know, we know credit card balances are high, uh, I think record highs, and then delinquency is ticking up. So that's something to watch. Uh, here's a chart of mortgage rates. The average mortgage rate, wow, 7.4%. So, you know, it doesn't matter for folks who are on a fixed rate mortgage who aren't moving. But over time, more and more people will move. And if rates stay high longer for the, you know, folks that are moving, this is going to start to hurt. You've already seen it start to affect home builders. Um, rates were 2.8% in August. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, then the last chart here in this section, then Quincy, I'll let you comment on this. Um, I didn't put spreads in here, but spreads are pretty tight. You know, for investment grade corporate bonds relative to treasuries. And this is really interesting. This talk, th this shows how many downgrades, credit downgrades S&P did last quarter versus uh, upgrades. And look at the downgrades in red, uh, 210 versus the upgrades in green, only 63. 
So, and you see it in the bar chart with the reds being the downgrades, um, far outnumbering uh, the the upgrades, and then the up down ratio very very low. That's the light blue line. So, the point here is the credit environment is getting tougher. You've probably heard people talk about tighter financial conditions, right? Well, this is more evidence of that. Um, the credit environment is just getting a little bit tougher. So, um, something to point out, you know, doesn't mean necessarily sell stocks here, but it does mean be careful with your with your high yield, be careful with your credit, uh, because um, you know some of these companies that have to term out their debt in the next uh, couple of years are gonna have a hard time. So Quincy, your, your rebuttal to this, what's, what's the other <laughs> well, side? What's the other side of the story here? Um, I, I'm making the case the Fed is done. What's the counterpoint? Well, just that I don't think they know what whether or not they're done. So that's that's it's not as though they're sitting on their answer and, and not telling anyone, right? Because I do I do think they're data dependent. I think they know they they acknowledge that inflation remains high. Um and, and again, again, the core is yes, it came down from four to three point nine, which is psychologically good. Nothing better than going from a higher number to a lower number. It didn't go as just as had. But the question is whether or not they have the patience and the stamina to watch it edge lower uh, without the fear of um, stagflation starting to creep in. They're very, very much worried about about a 70s, uh, the uh, failure of the monetary policy of the 70s. But getting back to this notion about consumer spending, what we saw the latest data that we saw last week is that personal income rose and personal spending also rose. The month before, we saw personal spending up and personal income down. What we saw last week was that they both rose. Personal income rose, personal spending rose. That's good news. And when all is said and done, what really matters is what we're going to hear on Friday, and that is the labor market. Because the, the, the correlation, the positive correlation between the labor market and consumer spending is about as tight as you can get. And um, overall, I, I mean, you know, we're all taught, we are all been taught, pay attention to the credit market. One thing I do want to say about the credit market is I, I'm incredibly impressed with uh, high yields. Either high yield, either high yield is, is just gone crazy and doesn't know what's going on, or they are sending a signal, hey, stop, stop overreacting. Otherwise, you know, otherwise we'd be, we'd be, our spreads would be so wide right now. But I think also that the credit agencies, which were slammed, slammed because of 2008 and 2009, and we know why, because they didn't do their jobs properly. Remember that? They did not do their jobs properly in 2007, 2006, in those um, uh, looking at the um, subprime debt uh, related products. They are, they've been going overboard. They've been going overboard now. Ever since then, they've been very quick to pull the trigger. And, uh, it, you know, you saw Fitch. You, you, uh, uh, so, you know, I look at that grain of salt, like suddenly uh, over the years, they've had to be really out there 
making sure everyone knows, oh, we're doing our job because they spent too many years not doing their jobs. So in any event, uh, I, I want to see how the labor market performs. And let's remember something because we, fret, we talk about the labor market as if it's in a vacuum. It, it, it comes from the earnings. It comes from what companies are going to tell us. Because if the companies tell us that their margins are coming under increasing pressure, they're going to have to they're going to have to get to that bottom line by doing something, and that typically involves cost cutting, and that then usually leads to the labor market. So we've been going through the earnings season, season, and Jeff, as you always point out, the companies have been holding up. Has it been stellar? No, but it's been solid. And we have not seen dramatic pressure on the margins. Once you do, that's why they always say that when the labor market goes, it could go very quickly. The cracks can just can spread very, very quickly. It's because suddenly companies find themselves under tremendous pressure and they run around and the first thing they want to do is start laying people off because that's, that's where they can bring those margins back and have the margins uh, intact again. So that's why the earnings season is going to be so crucial to the spread from the earnings to the labor market to consumer spending. And I think that's, that's where we're going to have our clues as to where we are headed uh, at the end of the year and especially in early 2024. Yeah, absolutely. On the, on the job report, um, anything in the ones is probably fine. But, um, you know, you don't want a 300 to come out of nowhere and scare the Fed. So that's. that's <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, or more. Right now is 170. That's consensus. Uh, yes. One, that's right, right now. That's why I put the week ahead preview um, on the screen. So you can see that on the right on uh, Friday, yeah. October 6th. And then, you know, we'll watch average hourly earnings. Hopefully those don't tick up. I mean, some people think that the rise in energy prices is going to seep in to you know inflation in other categories and core uh categories so hopefully we get a good labor um labor cost number there and we can you know get a little bit of a relief on uh, the energy price side and we can stop worrying about about higher oil prices creating uh stagflation from the 1970s or anything like that um but this, there's just no doubt that that is the big report of the week uh and it can influence yields we want to see more productivity we want to see sort of oh, steady. Yeah. We want to see steady job creation, or or maybe a little bit slower uh, job creation, and we need wages wage pressure to come down just a bit. By the way, the ISM this morning we got a great prices oh. paid from it, yeah. it from forty eight point four to forty three point eight. That is a big uh, drop. So you know it's just manufacturing, which is a small piece of the U.S. economy, but great to see that inflation reading come down. And at the same time, we got a nice uptick in the manufacturing activity index. You yes. 47.6 to 49. Uh, that's good to see. 49 is still below 50. Of course, it's still a contractionary uh, reading, but it's it, it's moving in the right direction. So that's good to see. So we got some good data. The, the bad news, right? It's good news is bad news right now. That certainly contributed to the move higher in yields, along with the, you know, averting the government shutdown. And I'm sure some Traders are factoring in more government spending, and uh, and and you end up, you know, at going from four six to four seven on the ten year in a hurry. Um, so we'll just we just need the, a little more cooling 
uh, and more months of better inflation data. Uh, it's, it's just going to take patience. So I, I think the ISM services number that I highlighted here is the only other number that really matters oh, yeah. all that much um, in all of the data for the week. So we'll, we'll of course be watching that. Just, you know, that, that survey is, is newer, you know, it doesn't have the history that the manufacturing index has, so it doesn't get as much attention, but services is, you know, what, 65, 70% of the economy. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a much bigger piece than the uh, manufacturing side. So yeah. uh, we'll yeah. definitely be watching that uh, as we watch yields. So um, anything else, uh, Quincy, to highlight before we wrap? We covered a lot of ground, I think. Some of the Fed speak, I think we want to pay attention to. Uh, Loretta Mester yeah. is, uh, I, I, I seem to picked up a, a cold like in the past two minutes. Um, Loretta Mester um, is on the hawkish side. She's highly regarded. I would call her a pragmatic hawk. And she is speaking in it. And we want to see what she has to say. She did say the last time she spoke publicly that we need to be careful. Uh, but we want to see if she's moved over into that camp as well, into the camp that says, why not just pause? Why not be done with it? Uh, we'll see if she's gone that far, because that would be a big move if she moves into that into that realm, into that camp. Yeah, good point. I think Powell's comments today, even though it really wasn't about, you know, the Fed funds rate or or or, right. yeah. or anything like that, uh, more of an academic uh, presentation, I guess. I think he might have influenced yields a little bit, too. So good point. We want to watch Fed speak uh, as well for more hints as to whether they're done. Yeah. We're going to get one more hike. So um, good, good discussion on that. Uh, there's certainly a lot of good debates in there in terms of what the Fed's going to do, in terms of whether we're going to get a Q4 rally. Uh, so thanks, Quincy, for joining Thank you. a Seattle area hotel. <laughs> I'm glad the audio held up. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to another edition of, of LPL Market Signals. We will be back with you next week. Everybody have a great week. And, uh, take Thank care. you so much. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate
separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency, not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposit or obligations, and may lose value.